Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Uh, we are kicking off the series in the Lord's Prayer this morning, and I'm going to start uh, read for us from Matthew chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles there, uh, or it'll be on the screen behind us. Reading Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thanks, Ross. All right, we're going to look at this passage and we're going to think about prayer. Um, but let's pray again and then we'll dig into this. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for the joy and the privilege it is that we can come together and hear from you. And so we pray now as your word is open, we pray that we would hear the words of the living God and that you, God, would give us ears to hear and a heart to understand. And we pray, Lord, that you would change us and shape us as we go through this journey, not just today, but throughout this series. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So why is it that we actually pray? We prayed a lot this morning already. Why is it that we are spending time talking to God? And why is it that people still do this? I mean, it's 2023. We've advanced in so many different ways in science and technology and, of course, artificial intelligence. We can get information at the tip of our fingers. So why are we talking to God? Especially since in recent history there's been an advancement which actually kind of helps us in this space a little bit because in the last couple of months, someone actually made an artificial intelligence version of Jesus. That's right, you now can go online to Twitch, which is a streaming service, and you can now see an AI version of Jesus, ask it any questions, and it will give you the predictive text of what Jesus would have said. It is out of this world, it is outrageous, and so I thought I'd go and check it out. Now, um, there are lots of trolls on this website, so just to you know, warn you, most of it is, is a joking, but there are some people asking the serious questions of life, and so I thought I would capture the serious questions of life being asked of AI Jesus. Here it is, here's the picture that you'll find, there's AI Jesus, and here's the real questions of life. Jesus, I need your holy wisdom. My pet monkey threw a coconut at my neighbor's head and killed him. What do I do? I don't want my monkey to go to jail. And just like that, online, people are asking the big questions of AI Jesus. Now, AI Jesus answered this and said, don't worry, your monkey is not under the same laws as humans, 
So you don't have to stress about that. But this is what was happening on AI Jesus. Now, you too can go and check AI Jesus out and ask any questions you want. We can get off AI Jesus, I reckon, for a moment. Now, I want to be very clear this morning. This is not a good thing, okay? Just in case you're wondering, AI Jesus is not good. Predictive text of Jesus is not good. We have all the words that we need of Jesus in the Bible. But it is interesting that we find ourselves in a world, in a day and age right now, where you can find out information that you want. You can find anything you want out uh, at the tip of your fingers. Um, and, and so when you think about the world that we live in right now, and you think about how we've advanced in science, technology, AI, how quickly that is advancing, why is it that in 2023 we are still using this ancient practice of prayer? Why would we spend time thinking about prayer and actually praying? And why is prayer something that we should pursue? Well, this is what we're going to look at today as we gather together and open up God's Word. And, and really, over the next five weeks, we're going to explore this together. But here in this passage today, we see Jesus lay out a foundation for us of why we should pray. And, and it's in the reading we had read out for us before. We're going to spend most of our time not actually in the Lord's Prayer, but the section before it and a little bit after it. So if you've got your Bibles there today, we see the answer to why would we pray. We get three reasons why. And the first is because God sees us. So notice this language as we pick it up from verse 5. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So why do we pray? Well, the first reason from this passage is because God sees you. The living God over all creation, who sees everything, sees you. He sees us. He notices us. He recognizes us on a deep, intimate, real level. God sees us. Now, as we explore this, we want to understand what that actually means. And the context here does, it is important. So Jesus here is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. That's a, a famous sermon where Jesus is helping his followers understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He, he wants to reshape their idea of what it means to be a disciple in the kingdom of God. And for Jesus to do that, he's got to undo some stuff. He's got to undo some stuff that the religious leaders had taught. So you, you see this all the time in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus um, critiques their understanding of the law and of money and of adultery and of murder, things like this. But Jesus also wants to critique their understanding of prayer. And so when he's speaking about the hypocrites here, he's speaking about the religious leaders. And, and, and he's saying they have a problem when they understand pray, uh, prayer because when you look at them, they pray to be seen by others. You notice that there? It says they pray on street corners and in synagogues, you know, the ancient Jewish version of church. They pray to be seen by others. And, and there's a problem with this. Now, let's be clear. Um, this is not saying there's a problem with public prayers. Because I know that can be how it comes across. It feels like that almost. But Jesus publicly prayed. Um, so he, he would go on to do that. Uh, throughout the church history in Acts, you see the church would pray out loud. I mean, we this morning have prayed already a number of times. So this is not critiquing public prayer. This is just critiquing the attitude that lies behind the, the hypocrites, which is their prayers are a tool to be seen by others. You know, that, that's their heart. They're, they're using prayer to gain the attention of others. They want to be seen, and that's why they pray. Now, you know, we can see that there's a problem with this. 
But of course, we must recognize first and foremost that their problem, while it is, you know, interesting, I think we can fall into a similar trap at times, um, and, and especially so because it is a human longing to be seen. You know, so if, if the Pharisees want to be seen, the religious leaders want to be seen, well, all humans in some ways want to be seen, right? Like, we all want to be seen. I mean, you think about it, you know, we want to be recognized. We want people to see us and identify us. And, and if you don't think you want to be seen, I mean, how do you feel when you feel invisible? No one likes that, right? No one likes to feel invisible or that, that, that they're not recognized. And, and if you think, well, well, yeah, okay, so it is a human longing to be seen, and I think we all know that. We all know that, especially, you know, if we think about that feeling when we're trying to tell someone something and uh, it's really important and they're scrolling on their phones. No one likes that, right? Because we, we feel in that moment invisible. We feel like the person we're talking to doesn't see us. It is a human longing to be seen. And, and the Pharisees, I think the religious leaders, even the hypocrites, they, they, they have this longing. They want to be seen, but the problem is they're using prayer as the tool to be seen, right? So they're praying on, in, in the synagogues and they're praying on street corners to be seen by others. But Jesus says this is not what prayer is all about. This is not why we pray. We don't pray to be seen by others. So why do we pray? Well, he spells it out in verse 6. He says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is not saying the only time you must pray is in a quiet room, but he is speaking about the attitude that we must have when we pray, which is actually that we're praying for the audience of one. Do you see? The, the reason we pray is, is for God, right? To God. That's, that's our audience when we pray. So, so then you, you line this up with the hypocrites. We see then it's not, prayer is not a tool to gain the attention of others or a tool to gain the attention of the gods, but rather prayer is something we do because we have God's attention. Right? Like, that's what he's saying here. The living God already sees you. There's nothing you can do to get God's attention. He already sees you. And when we think about it, the fact that God already sees us, that is quite profound. Right? Like, that is profound because you think about it, right? There are moments in our life where we don't feel seen. You know, some of us, I think, this morning may have come into church this morning not feeling seen. You know, maybe we feel like no one sees us. Maybe we feel invisible. Maybe there's a sense that we feel we haven't shared our authentic self to people. Or if we do, we're scared of what they might say or what the reaction might be. Sometimes we feel like we're wearing a mask and we're pretending to be someone that we're not. But the truth here is God sees you. And so when it comes to God, we don't have to pretend, we don't have to wear a mask, we don't have to, com we don't have to justify, we come before God knowing that He already sees us the depths of who we are. Now, of course, there is a challenge here that we must recognize too, as we think about the reason we pray, there is a challenge here for anyone who publicly prays, right? We must recognize that there is a challenge to make sure that we're not praying for people, you know? The audience is not the people in front of us. There is a challenge there. However, I do think this attitude also plays out in another way, you know? Sometimes, if we're only thinking about the people in front of us, um, sometimes it's not just that we pray with them in mind, but sometimes we don't pray with them in mind. Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes this plays out with us withholding prayer. You know, I think maybe you've been there. This is something I've experienced before. I've experienced both errors. So, on the one hand, there's been times where I've prayed, and I've finished my prayer, and I've thought, man, that was a good prayer. I wonder what those people think. You know, sometimes I'm thinking about the people in front of me. However, there's also other times where I haven't prayed, because I was, 
afraid of what the people in front of me might think. And both errors come from the same place. They come from a place where the audience is the people. However, what Jesus is saying here is that is not the audience of prayer. The audience of prayer is the living God who already sees. Okay, so, so when we think about it, why would we pray? Well, it begins with the fact that the living God sees us. He sees you. As we keep reading, though, we see the second reason why we'd pray, and it's because God knows you. Now, here again, the pattern is the same as, the, as before. Jesus is critiquing the hypocrites, but now he's critiquing the pagans. So have a look at this. Verse 7, he says this, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So the second reason why we would pray is because God knows us. And here again, it's the same pattern. So firstly, don't be like the hypocrites. Now it's don't be like the pagans. Don't be like the pagans who think by their many words God will see them or know them. But rather, don't be like them because God already knows you. Now again, what this is not saying is this is not saying there's not a time or place for long or repetitious prayers. Okay, I know it could come across like that. However, we've got to recognize throughout the Bible, the Psalms are God's kind of gift to us, a prayer book to us in the Bible, and the Psalms often have long and repetitious prayers. Um, So it's not saying that, you know, uh, Psalm 136, for example, repeats the line, God's love endures forever, 26 times. So if, if you think sometimes, geez, our songs are really repetitious... Well, just wait till we start singing Psalm 136, because that's pretty repetitious. There are times where repetition is a good thing. Um, There's also times for long prayers. Uh, So Psalm 119 is the longest prayer in the Bible. On Spotify, you can listen to this, and it'll take you 20 minutes to listen to Psalm 119. It's a long prayer. So, So there is time for long prayers. There is time for repetitious prayers. So what is Jesus speaking about here? Well, we've got to understand the pagans. And the pagans here is the description word for anyone who believes in another god. And in the ancient world, there's a sense that the pagans didn't know their god, and they didn't know if their god knew them. And because they didn't know God and didn't know if their god knew them, what they did was they babbled. They repeated their prayers over and over again in the hope that the gods or God might somehow recognize them. And so so that's what they did, right? They babbled in the hope of that. Now, it's interesting because we actually have some ancient prayers from other religions and that, that show this, that illustrate this. In fact, there's one from ancient Assyria, and just notice here how they don't know who their God is or if their God knows them, and so they just babble. Here's their prayer. It says this, May my Lord's heart, uh, angry heart be reconciled. May the God I do not know be reconciled. May the goddess I do not know be reconciled. May the God, whoever he is, be reconciled. May the goddess, whoever she is, be reconciled. May the God who has turned away from me in anger be reconciled. May the goddess who has turned away from me in anger be reconciled. And it goes on and on and on and on. Now, what's that? That's babble, right? That's babble to an unknown God because they don't know who their God or goddess is, but they know within them they have this feeling that I'm not right before God of guilt or shame or whatever, and so they're just praying, they're babbling in the hope that the God of the universe or goddess of the universe might see them and know them, and so they just babble in the hope that that might happen. Now, we, we know, of course, this is not just an ancient practice, we know that this can happen today as well. You know, we, we often hear this around the place, you know, sometimes people, people's prayers are, God, if you're out there, and then they, they pray a line, 
Now, I, I don't think if you're, if you're exploring God, I think sometimes that is an invitation, and I think the living God of the Bible does respond to that at times, but sometimes the fact that we don't know who that God is and the God doesn't know us, sometimes that can just result in us re- re- repeating ourselves or babbling words that we're not even sure what we're saying. Or sometimes I think the way that you see this most often is sometimes at tragedy, you know, in tragedy or, or at death. And it is heartbreaking, but in those moments where people aren't sure if God knows them or they don't know their God, sometimes it just plays out with babble, you know, in the sense of like, yeah, we know that they're out there with God playing cricket in heaven or whatever, but they're not sure and it just comes across like that. We've seen this play out. But Jesus says this is not how we pray. Right? We don't pray because we don't know the God or the God doesn't know us. But rather, what does Jesus say? He says, don't be like them. He says, instead, right, pray to your Father who knows what you need before you even ask. So, so the heart here is saying the living God actually knows you and he knows what you're going to say before you even ask it. We don't need to babble and repeat in the hope that God might notice us. We pray because God already does know us and he knows our need. Don't babble because God knows what you need before you even ask it. Now, of course, there is a natural question here, isn't there? And the natural question is, hang on, if God already knows what I need before I ask, then why am I praying? That's the question, isn't it? Like, hey, if God knows what I need before I ask, then what are we doing here? Why would we pray? But I think if we're asking that question, and if that is, that, that is the temptation, if we're tempted by that, it's because I think we've misunderstood God and we've misunderstood our relationship with God. It's to think of God like an AI you know, version of Jesus or like a genie in a bottle or like a vending machine. It's to think about God as this transaction that I come before him and get whatever I want and then I go on my way. And, and it's not to think of him as he really is and as the relationship that we have with him, which is Father. You know, that, that's the language mentioned there. And, and so we've got to think about it then in terms of not AI bot or vending machine, but Father in heaven. It's kind of like this. So um, uh, we, I've been a dad now for three years nearly in December to Poppy, our daughter, and recently Scout, our baby boy, joined our team. And uh, what I've learned, and I'm by no means an expert, okay, just to put that out there, but one of the things that I've learned in the short season of parenting is that you, you reap what you sow when it comes to parenting. And we are, I feel like me, I'm finally starting to reap some of the things that we've sown to our daughter, Poppy. So, um, you know, for three years, we've, we've loved her, we've cared for her, um, we've, you know, at times sat with her in her tantrums and helped her through that. At times, we haven't done all that, you know, that well, but by God's grace, we've had to apologize and stuff like that. But we've, you know, for the most part, loved our daughter, Poppy, and, um, and, and now she's at the point where I, I think we would say that Poppy is a, a, our daughter. She's seen and known. You know, she feels safe in this relationship. And we're seeing the fruit of that because now when she's hurting or when she's sad, she turns to us in that moment. And I, I really love, for the first time since Scout's born, now I can get some of that love as well back because uh, there's another child in her house that gets some of Elizabeth's t- attention. And I just love the moment, like Poppy sometimes comes out at night, you know, when they wake up and they're just so vulnerable and melt into your arms. And I, I love that. And it's just that sense of like the connection has flowed from the fact that she's seen and known. Now, I know it's not going to last, right? That's why we're enjoying it and soaking it up as it is. I know that it won't last. 
Um, but when, in relationships, when people feel seen and known, the result is connection. And, and I think we know that whether we're parents or not and have kids or not, we actually know this in every single relationship in life. When there is connection, or when we feel known, there is connection. So Brene Brown, a researcher in shame and vulnerability in relationships, um, she says this, this line, connection is what happens between people when they are seen and heard and valued. We actually, on a human level, grasp that the people we feel connected to are people who see us and know us and value us. Now, do you see what this has to do with God, our Father? Right? Do, do you see our Father sees us and knows us? And so just because he knows what we need before we ask doesn't mean we give up on prayer. No, it's the complete opposite. When we grasp that he already knows, what it means is it leads to prayer because it leads to connection. In fact, the truth of the matter is this. If you want to be someone who prays more, you just got to meditate more on the idea that the living God sees you and knows you. It is a beautiful reality that the God of the universe sees you and knows you. And when we grasp this truth, it leads us to connection. It leads us to prayer, not away from it. So why would we pray? It's because we have a, a God who sees us. We have a Father who knows us. But thirdly, the third reason why I would pray is because we have a God who invites us in. Now, in this series, uh, we are going to look at one line at a time through the Lord's Prayer. And this line, the first one in it is, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. So we've already talked a little bit about Father. We'll talk more about that in a second. The word holy there in the Bible, the reading we had before, was hallowed. It's the same kind of idea. So holy has this idea of set apart, perfect. Hallowed is what comes from that. We respect this God because of that. It doesn't matter which one's in your head. We've gone with holy a few years ago. We were doing this with the kids at church, and we, we stuck with this. And, and so our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And so we're thinking about this idea of our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Now, we've reflected on some of the ideas of this this morning, but as Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he spells out a little bit more about what this means as he keeps going. And so we're going to look at this because in chapter 7, verse 7, he comes back to this idea of Father in heaven, holy is uh, your name, and he comes back to this in chapter 7. So let's jump there to chapter 7 to think about this idea of what our Father in heaven does towards us or invites us to. Verse, chapter 7, verse 7, he, he fleshes this out. He says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to, do to others what uh, you would have, do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets." Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. What does he do? What is he, how does he act towards us? Well, we see this here. He invites us in. Right? That, that's at the heart of this. He invites us in. Ask, seek, knock. Our Father invites us in, and he invites us in through prayer. Now, I know when we think about this idea, uh, so there's a lot going on in this passage, just to put that up front, and this passage does not mean that you can come before God and just get whatever you want out of him. We'll talk about that next week when we talk about the line, your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, so that's coming next week. Um, but what we want to focus on here is this idea of the invitation from the Father. 
Now, I know that when we think about the invitation from the Father, what is difficult for us sometimes is not the idea of invitation, but the idea of Father. Right? Like, I understand that that, for many of us, is difficult when we think about God the Father in heaven because of the reality of our fathers on earth. Now, Jesus actually touches on this. And I don't know if you caught it there, but Jesus actually touches on this idea where he says, where he says there, you give good gifts to your kids, and then there's just this one line, though you are evil. Now, he's talking to his disciples here, the 12, right? And he's saying, you give good gifts, though you are evil. And, and what Jesus is touching on, on this idea here is like, our fathers on earth are evil. Now, to be clear, this is not me trying to dunk on fathers or men. As a man who is a father, that would be stupid to do that. However, the truth here is this morning, the truth is we are all actually evil. Every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, mothers and fathers, men and women, young and old, all of us here this morning have lived and rejected God and gone our own way. And so there is a sense that for all of us, we are all evil. And what that means is we all give a tainted version of God, right? So if you look to any one of us as image bearers of God, we all have this like broken image of God. Now, what this means when we think about this passage is when we're talking about Father in heaven, we just have to make sure that we don't let our fathers on earth taint our fathers in heaven, our Father in heaven, sorry. We can't let that happen. And, and for all of us, we all, to varying degrees, and, and I'm not trying to undermine anyone's experience here, but all of us need to make sure that that's true. And for some of us, this is one of the most difficult ideas to get our head around, that God is the Father in heaven because of the nature of our fathers on earth. And so, so what do we do in the middle of this? When we think about this idea, and it's a struggle for many of us, what do we do in the middle of this? Well, we must let God the Father define what being a father means. We, we must recognize that our fathers on earth are just shadows, at best, of our Father in heaven. And so we've got to let Him define what it means. And so what does God the Father mean? What, is, what does the definition mean when we look at the Father? Well, we've seen in, in some ways in His Word, right? That's where we'll find the answer to this question, in His Word. And so we've seen that this morning in the fact that He sees us. He doesn't treat us as invisible. He sees us and He knows us. He knows our deepest needs. We let His Word define what He's like. But of course, we let His actions define it. You know, that, that's where you see the rubber hitting the road in someone's actions. And, and when we look to our Father in heaven and His actions, this is where we see what He's like. Because our Father in heaven acted in a moment in history to show us what He's like. Our Father loved us so much that Jesus came into the world. And Jesus at the cross, He died at the hands of evil people for the sake of evil people. This is what the cross is all about. It was God's display of love for all humanity so that now when people put our trust in Jesus, now we can have a relationship with the Father where He no longer sees us as evil but sees us as beloved children, His prize and His possession. And, and this is what we see then. Our Father in heaven loves us as beloved children, His prize and possession. In fact, there's one line in Psalm 17, verse 8, and this comes up a few times in the Bible, but it speaks about this idea that we now, in Jesus, are the apple of God's eye. 
I mean, it's just the most insane thing that you can think about, that we now become the, the prized possession of the Father in heaven. And when you look to the cross, what you begin to see is you begin to see what God is like, what the Father is like. So when we think about God the Father in heaven, we must let him define what that is like, not our experience. And he's good, and he loves us, and it's so good when we think about this truth. And it's so good when we think about that in light of this passage, because what does the Father who loves us, what does he do? Well, he invites us in. Right? Like, that's what he's doing here. Did you see it? Ask, seek, knock. This is three words repeated to get at this idea of get in here. In fact, he's kind of saying here, bother me. And it's just insane that he does that. Right? I mean, you think about it. We all have had experiences in life where people have bothered us because they've come too much. Right? They, they've actually uh, tried to get our attention too much. Um, again, so uh, we've had Scout home now for seven weeks, and uh, Poppy's doing great as she adjusts to life, but of course she's a three-year-old who's now attention has been split between two. And uh, so, so she's struggling occasionally with that, but no joke, within the first week we were home, there was this morning, and I still remember it, it still sometimes haunts me a little bit at night, but there was this morning where in the first 30 seconds of me waking up, Right, so like next to no sleep at night, 30 seconds of waking up, she had said dad at the top of her lungs 10 times. I hadn't even had a coffee yet. And I responded to the first one, but it was just dad, 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 right, over and over again. And, and by the 10th time, I'm like, girl, I need a coffee, and then I'm all yours. But of course, right, like I was not that calm. And so, you know, I had to apologize for that and all that sort of stuff. But but this is like, as a parent, there's just times where your children bother you. And this is true in all of our relationships. There's a time where people bother us, and there's times where, where you actually say the opposite of ask, seek, knock. You say, stop asking, stop seeking, stop knocking, go and ask on someone else's door. We know that experience, but do you see what God is saying here? God the Father is saying here? He's saying, no, no get in here. He's saying there's not a moment that you could bother me. There's nothing too big and there's nothing too small. Constantly and consistently get in here, lay your request before your Father who sees you and knows you and loves you and invites you in. Ask, seek, knock. This is so amazing that we have a God who would, would invite us, human beings, to this reality. God invites us in. So when we think about this idea, why would we pray? It's because God sees you, God knows you, and God invites you to pray. So let's think about this then. If this is what God invites us to, if he invites us to pray, then let's think about the reality. Okay, so what does it look like for us to pray? And particularly, what does it look like for us to pray the Lord's Prayer? Because that's what Jesus would go on uh, at the end of chapter 6 to say. He gives the Lord's Prayer as a prayer to be repeated and, and to think about. So what does it look like for us to pray the Lord's Prayer? Well, this is what we'll think about in the next five weeks, but particularly now this morning, we're going to think about this idea of practically how we can pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, so, so the Lord's Prayer is one of the prayers. I, this is something that I've found over the last 12 months, that the, the more you pray the Lord's Prayer, the more profound you find it. You know, if, if you grew up in a church, there might be a sense that you, you know this. There's a chance, even if you didn't grow up in a church, you know vaguely what the Lord's Prayer is. But the more you pray the Lord's Prayer, the more profound you'll find it to be. And of course it's profound. God gave us this prayer. And so, so we want to think about what does it mean to pray the Lord's Prayer? Um, now, let's think about this idea of grounded. Okay, That's what we've called this series. 
And the reason for that is, of course, it is a God-shaped prayer. This is God, you know, this is one of the only places where Jesus explicitly tells us how to pray, so, so there it is. Um, but, but let's think about this idea of grounded. The idea here is that the Lord's Prayer grounds us in the spiritual truths of God, you know, in our relationship with God, our intimacy with God, and in, in what God's called us to. You know, that's what the Lord's Prayer will go on to speak about. And so there's, there's a reality here that the Lord's Prayer grounds us in that truth. And where that has come from is actually an experience that, uh, again, Elizabeth and I have experienced in the last seven weeks. Um, so, so seven weeks ago, we had, um, we had our baby Scout. And um, the experience of Scout being born was, was quite traumatic, actually. And um, it was an emergency in the end that felt life-threatening. Um, in the moment of it. And God willing, we'll talk a little bit about this next week. Um, but it was really intense for a moment. And, uh, you know, Scout was born and everything settled down in that birth. And we, you know, we thank God for that. Um, but after the birth, we were struggling a little bit. And so we were at the Mata, who were, they were, the Mata were awesome. And the Mata sent us an occupational therapist to come and help us through our experience. And so um, one of the questions we asked our OT was, um, was the question, hey, what we went through was felt traumatic. And, and so we wanted to know, how do we avoid PTSD with what we've experienced? And uh, the, uh, the OT said, uh, one in three births are traumatic, but not everyone experiences PTSD. And so she talked us through that. She told us a number of things. But one of the things that she taught us was this technique called grounding. Okay, now I had heard of it before, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And she said, what, what's happening when you have experiences like this is it's like you have in your head a big screen TV. So you, you think about, right, there are things in our life that almost go into our mind, mind's eye as a big screen TV. You know, I, I feel like we've all had moments like that, things that you just keep replaying over and over and over in your head, and you close your eyes at night and you see that. And so she said, what your experience is like is it's like a big screen TV, but what you want to do is you want to move it to a little screen in your mind. Because you're never going to get rid of that experience, but you just want to move it out of the over and over again place into the, the little place. And she said, one of the things you, you can do is you can just ground yourself in the present moment. So uh, what you do is, you know, you might feel the texture of your jeans or whatever and, and think about what am I feeling? Or you look around the room and you go, well, what colors can I see? You know, I can see blue and green and, and yellow. Or you think about what can I hear? What, what sounds can I hear? I can hear kids and cars and stuff like that. I can hear the air con. And then you think, what can I smell, right? And, and you get all of these things. And what she was saying was, what it does is it just grounds you in the present moment. Now, I know that this might sound crazy, maybe even kind of new agey, but it's, it's not really. It, it was just a thing to help you see where you are in the present moment. And I can't tell you how helpful it has been for us as we, you know, we're in hospital and you hear dings and bells and all that sort of stuff and everything to just go, where am I? Where am I in the present moment? And what we learned was this technique helps you get perspective of where you are in that moment of life. It gives you perspective. It takes you out of your mind and it puts you in the present. Now, of course, the question is, what's this got to do with the Lord's Prayer? Well, from this moment seven weeks ago, for me, my experience of this has been that the Lord's Prayer in some ways becomes this grounding experience. 
Because the truth is, it's a little bit different when we think about our lives, but the truth is, for all of us in our lives, we do sometimes get caught in the physical reality of what's happening in our day. Now, sometimes it can be the mental stuff, of course, but, but sometimes we can just get so caught in the physical stuff, the chaos of our lives, the, the busyness of our days, or the stresses, the anxieties, the, you know, if it's kids or if it's school or whatever, it else, whatever else it is. And sometimes our lives can be so chaotic that we get to the end of the day and we think at the end of the day, I didn't even pray today. Or I didn't even think about God today. Or, or maybe it's been a week, right? Maybe you're getting here this morning and you think, you know, it's probably been a week since I've even thought about who God is and what God has done. And if that's you, right, you're among friends here because we've, I think we've all had that experience. We've all had that experience where you get caught in the busyness of the present. But here's what the Lord's Prayer can do. It can ground us in the spiritual reality that we have a Father in heaven who is holy and perfect and good, who is with us, not just as a once-off, but right throughout our days. It can ground us in the truths of who God is and what He's doing in our lives. And, and so what we're going to think about is the idea that we can actually pray the Lord's Prayer, not just as a one-off, but all throughout our lives. So here's what we've done. We've tried to help with this. You know, um, on the social media accounts, on Southside social media accounts, we've um, put the Lord's Prayer as a background that you can put on your phone. You know, if you've got a phone, chances are you probably think like the rest of us, you might spend too much time on your phone. So what we can do is we can put the Lord's Prayer as our background, so at least when we open up our phones, before we scroll, we can ground ourselves in who God is and our relationship with Him. We've given bookmarks on the way in, I think. Um, if we haven't, they'll come out in the next few weeks. But the bookmarks, the idea is that just put that in a space in your life where you'll see that constantly, where you'll notice it and it'll remind you to pray. In a moment, we are going to sing the Lord's Prayer. It's a new song for the Lord's Prayer. Um, and the idea of it is that we'll get it stuck in our heads. And throughout the week, we can pray the Lord's Prayer. But, but the thing is, right, in all of this, what we need to do is we need to change our attitude towards prayer. Because sometimes I think we think that prayer must be this like hour-long, undivided thing. And if I don't get that, then I'm not going to bother with it. Now, it is true that there is a time for undivided prayer. That's true. We're going to look at that next week. Jesus would go away and get undivided time. But I think it's a misunderstanding of prayer to think it's only a once-off thing. You know, we have a Father in heaven who's constantly saying, ask, seek, knock, get in here. And so what needs to change then is we need to change our attitude towards prayer. And instead of trying to find the hour undivided time, which I know for some of us would feel like a holiday, we just need to find 20-second pockets of our lives. I mean, that's all the Lord's Prayer takes to pray. It's pretty short. But if we can start finding these pockets of our life to pray the Lord's Prayer, what we'll find is we can start living a whole day where we're in communion with God, growing in our intimacy with our Father. 20 seconds, that's all we've got to find, right? So you think about it. When you wake up in the morning, you know, maybe it's an alarm that wakes you up. Maybe it's a kid that, that, that wakes you up. Or maybe your body clock just wakes you up. But what if before you get out of bed, just pray the Lord's Prayer? Ground yourself in who God is. Or, or what about when you use your phone? We all use our phone. So instead of just opening it and scrolling, let's just take a moment to ground ourselves in who God is and what God's done in our relationship with our Father in heaven. Or think about the, the jobs you've got to do around your house. All of us have jobs we do, right? Like, you know, is it, is it you know, washing the dishes or doing the washing or vacuuming or making coffee or whatever it is in this morning? In the, sorry, 
whatever it is in your day, what if you just, instead of just doing those chores, what if you just stopped as you were doing them and grounded yourself in God? You know, I've found this helpful recently as, you know, I've had to fill up bottles and clean bottles just to kind of ground myself. Instead of getting caught up in the moment of trying to feed our kid, just to ground yourself in the middle of that. You know, we all have things that we do in you know, going to the bathroom or brushing our teeth or having a shower. These things happen all throughout our day. What if those were triggers to remind ourselves to pray the Lord's Prayer? Or what about driving? You know, like we all you know, get in a commute. Often we've got to commute somewhere. What if we just, those transition points are so key in our life. You know, what if when we left home, well, just before we got to work, what if we stopped and grounded ourselves? I mean, I, I can't imagine the impact we would have on our workplaces if we were aware that God our Father is in us, is, is working in us and through us in those moments. We would be transformed by that. Or what about the transition moment when we get home? You know, maybe it's home from work or home from school, right? What if instead of stopping the car and getting out, we just stopped and paused and took 20 seconds to pray the Lord's Prayer? Do you see? Like, we, we could actually change our whole day by just taking the 20-second moments right throughout our day and praying the Lord's Prayer right throughout our day. And, and here's what would happen if we did that. Here's what would happen. We would grow in our intimacy with God. We would grow in our connection with God. We would also flourish in life as we pray through the Lord's Prayer because we would trust Him, because we'd be praying, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We would be growing in our relationships with one another as we pray, Father, forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me. I mean, that prayer over and over again will radically change our life. It will help us be aware of the spiritual realities that Satan is tempting us as we pray, lead us not into temptation but deliver us the evil one, from the evil one. And the more that we do this, the more we will find ourselves growing in our connection with God and our ability to be obedient to God and do the things that he's called us to because we're actually praying the prayer he gave us to pray. So the challenge is set before us as we work through this series. Not just that we would spend five Sundays talking about this, but that we may take the Lord's Prayer and build it into such a habit of our life that we spend our whole life in ongoing conversation with our living God and Father who sees us and knows us and invites us to ask, not just one off, oneself, but to ask and seek and knock and bother Him. So let's pray now and then let's sing the Lord's Prayer together. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would be driven to prayer because we understand that you are a God who sees us. You are a God who knows us, and you are a God who invites us in. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to call you Father. And we thank you, Lord, for the blessing it is that you call us beloved children and your prize and your possession. God, as we think about the relationship that we have with you, Father, please correct us if we've got a misunderstanding of who you are. And help us see that you are a loving Father that invites us in. God, we pray that this series would be transformative for us. Not just because of five one-off Sundays, but because we build a habit right throughout our lives to take these small moments consistently, to engage in our relationship with you, and to ground ourselves in the truth that you are our Father in heaven who is perfect and good and holy. We pray for these things for your glory and our good in Jesus' name. Amen.